this week on Twip Weddings, the meet and greet and wedding consults. You've worked hard on your marketing, website, and referrals to get clients to find you. The next step in booking a new wedding client is getting them in the door. This week, we're going to share our strategies for attracting new clients and how we approach the meet and greet and initial wedding consultation. And welcome back to another episode of Twip Weddings. Uh, once again, my name is Bruce Clark, and I'm joined by Mr. Robert Evans and Mr. Brian Capricci. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome back. So this week, uh, we're going to, our main topic this week we're going to be discussing is the, the meet and greet. So sort of we're going to share how we approach the initial consultation uh, with our wedding couples. And But before we get into the show, uh, we want to remind you uh, some of the different ways that you can participate in the show. As always, we want to hear from you. So there's several ways to interact with us. Um, first, you can visit our website, which is www.thisweekinphoto.com slash weddings. There you're going to find the show notes for each episode. And there's a spot in each of the episodes where you can leave your comments and feedback for us. If you have a question or a suggestion for a future episode for a topic, uh, you can also email us. Our email address for this show is twipwed at thisweekinphoto.com. Um, or if you're more of a social media person, uh, you can just add the hashtag TwipWed to your post, and we'll keep our eye out for your posts on social media, Twitter, Google+, etc. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, we're also over there. We're at, at TwipWed on the Instagrams. So that's how you can get in touch with us. So let's, uh, let's jump into the show, and uh, as always, we're going to kick things off with our picks of the week and each episode we're going to share a photography related item that we think would benefit wedding photographers and our picks can be anything as long as they are somehow related to photography or the business of photography. So who wants to kick things off? How about we go with Robert this week? What have you got for us? So my pick of the week is actually uh, a blog slash website. It's called thelawtog.com and it's basically a uh, a website about photography and the law. Um, it's really interesting. She covers um, a lot of stuff, business contracts, copyright, just general legal, marketing, pricing, taxes. Uh, I kind of perused the site a little bit because it came to me through an email and I was looking at it and I, I just thought it was really informative. Um, she is a lawyer. Um, you know, obviously you have to pick the laws in each of your states or wherever you're listening to this, but it's really informative. I think it's definitely a good start it answers a lot of questions uh, you know you know there's I watched one on she talks about having a contract which of course as a photographer is super important um, but there's so much on there so anyway that's my pick of the week you go research it look at it see what you think it's the lawtog.com awesome. awesome Brian I think you've interviewed Rachel yes I have so I'm behind the Rachel. and I personally definitely endorse LawTog um, for all of my mentoring clients and whenever I'm teaching whenever I have any kind of legal question she's like my go-to resource I just say go to LawTog.com and and I'm sure she's got the answer there um, she actually has some like template contracts as well that you can purchase um, which is what I always refer to whenever I'm mentoring an up-and-coming photographer that doesn't have that stuff set up so Rachel's Perfect. awesome she knows her stuff which fits in today's discussion on the initial meet and greet because yep. obviously if you're going to sign them up and get a get a contract in place, that might be a place to go if you don't have one. So. Exactly. Excellent pick, Mr. Evans. Mr. Capricci, what have you got for us this week? Cool. So I actually shared this pick in my latest um, interview on TWIP, like the sort of mothership of TWIP weddings here. Yes. So I hope it's not cheating that I do it again here, but this is something, something I'm personally really excited about. Um, I would say that the main pick would be the Fuji X-T1, which is the mirrorless camera that I have been using for uh, ever since it came out. But 
in particular, my pick is the new firmware that they just released for it. So it's version 4.0, and what I think is particularly exciting about this is with this new firmware that Fuji releases for free for an existing camera that's a year and a half old, it basically makes the camera a brand new camera. Um, it, it like totally upgrades it. The autofocus is faster. The functionality is better. There's all different kinds of things that make it like a significantly better camera because of the firmware. And I think it's just really amazing that a company like Fuji that would be would gain more out of releasing a new camera and having you upgrade and buy a new camera instead makes the decision to improve an existing camera and uh, and and sort of move forward with that. They really care about their customers, and so that's why I'm particularly excited about it. So if you're a Fuji user, um, by the time this episode goes live, the firmware will be live as well, so you can download it, and it's called version 4.0, and it's for the X-T1. That's cool. I didn't know you could turn a Fuji camera into a Canon. I didn't know. Uh, Just yeah. the firmware. I didn't, I didn't know. <laughs> Oh, I could go so many directions with that joke. Oh, I'll could. hold back just in Canon's case. not mirrorless, so I can't even be close. Right. Oh, no, 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 no camera wars here. No, that's a good pick. Yeah, it's nice to see the camera manufacturers yeah. when they do that and they release firmware updates, you know, that add new functionality or improve the existing gear without having to go out and spend money and buy more gear. That's always, always appreciated. So. Totally, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, just as a quick side note, I know that I don't want to take too much time with this, but as a side note, um, not about mirrorless, not about Fuji, not about any of this but I feel like the space that we're in today equipment wise technologically as an industry is a really good place for us to be because it's no longer just a Canon Nikon battle like it's been for so many years and I think all this new innovation all these new companies like Fuji like you know Panasonic like uh, Sony like they're, they're all pushing the envelope so much and it almost in a way challenges everyone else in the space to innovate and keep moving forward. And I think that it, that it's brought us to a place that we're seeing innovation in the equipment space like we've never seen before. And so I think that's really exciting. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, we should have a whole show just talking to do some more gear <laughs> yeah, talk. Totally. Excellent. Very good pick. Cool. Well, my pick this week is sort of related um, to the consults um, and, and the meet and greet, and that's uh, a site to help you with materials for those. Um, and it's a really good website if you are not a designer and if you don't have design experience, but you want to, you know, pretty up your presentation materials. Um, design a glow. Um, is a really great website um, that has all kinds of templates for um, for photographers and other creatives as well. Um, so they have things like price lists and welcome packets and all kinds of stuff. Now, obviously, if you can work with a local designer, um, that's always probably your best you know your best bet. You're going to get that personalized service. You're going to work with somebody locally. Um, but if you're you know if maybe you're on a little bit of a tighter budget, this might be a nice option. Um, you know, the downside to templates is again you can start to look like everybody else on the on the market when you go with mm -hmm. templates if everybody starts to use them. Um, we see that a lot with websites, right? There's a lot of people out there with, you know, pro photo websites and everybody starts to look a little bit the same. Um, but maybe with your printed materials, it's, it's not as much of an issue because the, you know, the odds of customers running across the same printed materials are probably less, less so than they would be with website stuff. But um, Design Aglow is a great um, resource if you're looking for some uh, sort of nice marketing and sales type um, templates that you can use in your, in your consults. Cool. As always, we will have links to all of those things in the show notes for this episode. So just head on over to the website for that. All right, so moving on to our next uh, segment, which is our listener question. And each week, we're going to choose a listener question to answer on the show. Uh, and you, again, just email us, twipwed at thisweekinphoto.com, and maybe we'll answer your question. So this week, we've got a question from Miroslav Selik. And Miroslav wants to know, do you shoot everything on one memory card? 
when you have multiple photographers, how do you edit photos? Do you edit them sort of one photographer at a time or do you edit them in time order? Who wants to take a stab at this one? Brian, you go. Sweet. So um, there's always been this idea uh, for photographers to, you know, shoot on multiple cards, the whole like don't put drags in one basket thing. Um, because there's the, you know, you run the risk of if you put all your images onto one card that, you know, if that card goes corrupt, you've lost everything. Um, personally, and it's just my opinion in the last 10 years as a wedding photographer, I've actually never had a card go up, go corrupt on me. However, I personally run the risk of fumbling around if I have to change cards. So if you, if I go with a smaller card and try and spread things out among several cards, I find that the risk of me losing a card by fumbling or misplacing it or by, by moving it out is greater than the risk of me putting all the images onto a card and risking that card going corrupt. Yeah. So for me, I, I've always gone the route of using 32 or 64 gigabyte cards and putting them all onto one card. Um, that being said, for a wedding, I actually will offload all the images at the wedding because I do the same day slideshow. So I leave the wedding reception with the images on a card and back them onto the computer. So that makes more sense for me and that's what I've chosen to do. And then in terms of editing them in order, I typically don't shoot with another photographer um, or I guess I lie to have my assistant that does some detail shots, but I will always first organize them by camera edit them in that camera order because that way I can copy and paste settings back and forth. And then once I'm done all the editing, I'll put them in a more logical sequential order um, in a way that makes more sense for that. Excellent. Yeah, I agree on the, on the point of just changing cards. I think, yeah, the, the risk now of I've, I have had cards go corrupt on me actually last year. I had two cards hmm. go on me one, one at a wedding and one when we were in Australia um, a card went on me and I, I found out later actually, no, maybe it was two years ago now, I guess, but I found out later Lexar told me that it was the, it was the card reader that I was using somehow was corrupting mm. the cards. So that's when I switched to the workflow hub. I think that you made a pick a little while ago. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I mean, I always run all my cameras have dual card slots. So I'm always running redundant anyway in my cameras. So I'm always shooting to two cards every time. So I'm more of the opinion that I stand a, you know, bigger risk of losing a card or screwing something up if I'm taking cards in and out of the camera. Mm -hmm. Another issue um, somebody that I know ran into is they um, just in switching cards and taking cards out, they bent one of the pins in yeah. their in the CF card slot, and then they weren't able to use that slot for the rest of the rest of the wedding because the the pin got bent. So I think you run a greater risk changing cards, taking them in and out, possibly yeah. dropping them. If you're shooting somewhere, like say you're out in the snow or I don't know, around water or something like that. I don't know. It's just too, for me, I'd rather shoot on one card. So I'm shooting mostly 64 gig cards now. Mm -hmm. These days I'm not on the bleeding edge of like 128 gig or 256 gig or anything like that. But uh, I find 64 gig is generally enough and I'm shooting two bodies. So I find that's usually enough for me. Yeah. Robert, how about you? Are you a uh, one card kind of guy or do you shoot lots? Yeah, of I've gotten to be, I used to be more the other way as well. Like I would, you know, of course we had smaller cards, but as the memory cards have gotten bigger and better, I also um, tend to, you know, only use one card in the camera. And the other reason is, is I shoot multiple bodies. So I have, you know, four or five, well, I have more than that, but I have three or four Sony cameras that I may shoot at any one time during the day. Each camera has uh, a card in it. So generally, at the end of the day, I haven't maxed out any one card. And I do not, you know, a couple tips. Um, if you're going to shoot those cards, you know, try to pull them if you get close to the end of the card. They say it's not good to max out the card. Leave yourself a little mm -hmm. room, so to speak. Um, 
another thing that we didn't talk about, I guess it needs to be talked about quickly is, you know, his question was about how do you edit them with multiple photographers? First of all, you know, this mm. seems basic, but I know people <laughs> don't think, but you need to time sync your cameras, yes. um, especially if you're working. <clears throat> so, you know, I travel to different time zones and different places and different things like that, but I always make sure that we're time synced because it really saves a lot of time in editing. It doesn't have to be science and super precise. Like most of the time, I'll just sync it right to my iPhone. And, you know, if I'm not seeing my assistants until I get to the job, I'll hand on my phone and say, get as close to this. It just needs to be close. Um, that's important. Another card tip, uh, you know, when changing cards, turn your camera on and off. Mm -hmm. um, for those of you that don't know that. Um, and I have had the issue, too, with some of the, you know, my camera shoot SD cards. Um, not bending the pins, but you have to, you have to be careful because there's little plastic in between the metal. And sometimes... Yeah. Those will get messed up, and if they're not exactly precise, you know, I've had, why won't this card download? And then I realize, and I fix it with my fingers. But, you know, it is a delicate instrument. We do need to be careful with it. And then my final tip, I think, um, would be uh, at the end of the night, I think I've said this on the before, but at the end of the night, you do have multiple cameras, multiple people. Uh, take your cards out of your cameras and put them in a card carrier or something on your person so that if you're walking out and someone happens to want to take your equipment from you, mm -hmm. um, they can't take your job. You know, it's, you know, you're going to try to save your stuff to save this person's wedding probably more than your equipment. But, you know, if someone were to do that, you know, just it's a safety thing. You know, hand them your cameras, let them take them. You, hopefully you have insurance another episode but yeah um and finally in the editing process to answer his question the way i do it i do like to um put you know when i dump all the files into one catalog and you know, i'm looking at them in photo mechanic i like to have both my images and the other photographers images together instead of doing one camera at a time because i like to see the angles that both of us got and you know i think one might be better than the other so the way I edit, I kind of like that. You know, I'll pick the better shot regardless of whether it's mine or not. So that's kind of how I do it in, in my workflow as far as the edit. Yep, I think I edit similarly similarly to you as well. I like to see, you know, all the same event. So it's a cake cutting or something. I like to see all the angles and then sort of go from there. Excellent. Well, hopefully that answers, uh, gives some advice to, uh, to Miroslav and will help him out in deciding which route to go with his cards next time. So... Awesome. Well, that's uh, let's get into our main discussion. And uh, Brian, you suggested this as a, as a topic this week, and I think it's a, a great topic. Um, and we want to, you know, we want to talk about kind of the meet and greet or the initial kind of uh, consultation, the wedding consultation. So, I mean, we we all work hard on things like our marketing and our website and our referrals to kind of get clients to first find us. But of course, you know, finding us is only really the beginning. The next step, really, in in booking a new wedding client is getting them to come in the door and and meet with us. So we're gonna, you know, share some of our strategies and talk about how we approach um, the meet and greet and the initial consultation. So I want to start before we get them in in the door. Um, I want to ask both of you guys your thoughts and opinions just on how much information you feel is the right amount to put out there on your website. So, you know, what, what information do you include? What kind of, you know, pricing, how much pricing information do you put on there? Um, or do you want to hold on to some of that information and get them in the door to talk to them about some of those things? So Robert, I want to start with you. What's um, kick us off. What, uh, what are I your hold thoughts on, on to some of it? I give them a starting, a starting price. I mean, I'm, a, I'm an expensive photographer, I think in most, you know, people's vision. Uh, so I have, you know, I 
guess, a small window of client that's willing to pay what I charge. Um, but I've been doing it 27 years, so I deserve it. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Amen. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I will give them like a starting package. But what I do try to put on there is like what my services include. Um, I don't nickel and dime people. So, you know, I tell them, look, you get up to 10 hours of my time. It's myself and a second photographer. It, you know, it does include uh, a small book, you know, on the basic package. Um, you know, how quick they get their proofs back and everything. So they kind of know up front um, what they're going to get. But I'll put a starting price so they get an idea. Okay. Brian, how about you? What are your thoughts on, on the information to put up there? Would you be surprised if I told you that I have some pretty strong opinions on this topic? I would not be surprised <laughs> at all. No, no. Um, okay, I'll, I'll be quick with it. I, I, I really feel that you know your website is there to set expectations for clients and also to act as a filter for um, you know whether a client wants to pursue contacting you or not. And so that being said, that's sort of the context to why I believe, like Robert, that you should at least have basic information on there, at least starting at prices, at least some kind of range, or at least something that is there with the purpose of setting the expectation for the client that, hey, this is what you can expect. And if that's okay with you, let's pursue a conversation. So that's sort of like the, sh the short version of it. Yes, I believe that you should have starting prices because like Robert, I, I am, you know, relatively high, higher priced in my area. Um, and I don't want if my, you know, my starting prices are $4,000. If someone's got a budget of $1,500, I don't want to waste their time. And I don't want them to waste my time of even pursuing a conversation. That being said, if someone feels like their budget's 3,500 and they love my work enough that they say they see 4,000 and they say, well, I could stretch to that, at least I can open up a conversation and then perhaps, and it's happened many times, I can push them up to a, to a higher package than my starting price. But at least by having that starting price, it's, it's, it's there to filter out those that are completely in the wrong area. So I do think that you should put starting prices on your website. Yep, I agree. Um, we, for a long time, had just kind of our starting prices on our website. And just recently, when we redid our, our, our website um, this spring, I put on more detailed information. So I actually, I list out all our packages. And, mm. and we actually had a client come in and book us um, just a couple weeks ago. And their comment to us was that we were the only photographer that they came across that just had that information out there for them. And they didn't have to dig around. And so it's, it actually saved them a lot of time. Um, cause they were able to cut straight to the chase. They knew exactly what was included. So the main reason they wanted to come in to meet with us was just, just to meet us and, and, and get a sense of our personalities, but they already had a lot of the information up front. And I think if you look at, look at like car cars, for example, nowadays, right? Like you used to go in and you used to go in and you didn't know anything about what you were looking at or what you were buying. I think nowadays people can arm themselves with so much information and they they're used to doing it. Right? They're used to going out and researching and finding the information online first. And then they use that to kind of narrow down their choices to maybe you know two or three. And then, they, and then they're going to make a buying decision. So I think by not having information on your site at all, you're going to turn some clients off that, that want to be able to at least get some basic information. So I see a lot of websites where they just say, you know, just the starting at, but they don't provide any details as to what's included. It just says starting at, you know, $3,000. 
Is so, it, uh, it, okay, so maybe this isn't the podcast for it, and perhaps maybe we can do another one on websites because I, I would love to go into a discussion about this, but maybe perhaps we should I should not, and we can go into the meet and greet. What do you think, Bruce? I think let's go into the meet and greet, and I think yeah, we can yeah. have a whole other discussion on, yeah. the, on the website thing. But I wanted to start there. Just <laughs> kind of like, one question. When you put your packages up there, Bruce, do you put price for each package, or you say package A, B, and C, and this is what you get in A, B, and C? Yep. ABC and this is what you get in ABC and you tell them what A B and C costs. Yep. Okay. Yep, straight up. So and they really liked it. Um before we before we just had kind of a starting at with you know again we listed sort of here's what the base you know here's our basic coverage and what what's included but you know I I decided to put it out there and again it's a, it's a bit of bit of an experiment and we'll see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, well and one one just to add to it and we can close. Um if you don't want to put your prices on your website um, put all the reasons why you are different from anyone else in your market or in your competition. Uh, it needs to be short and sweet. I mean, it can't be too wordy. Keep that in mind. You can't have your websites too wordy. But if you're not comfortable putting your prices, then sell yourself on why you're better than anyone else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so I think that was uh, just an interesting feedback that I got from a customer. So. I guess the next step is once, you know, once obviously they've looked at your website, they like your work, obviously they, if, if you've got pricing and they've, you know, reached out and contacted you either by phone or using your contact form, um, they're comfortable obviously with what you're charging enough to contact you. I guess the next mm -hmm. step is getting them in the door for that initial consult. So do you guys prefer if clients email you to book that or phone you or do you phone them? How do you kind of approach that next step in terms of getting them in the door and, and getting that initial consult with them? I always prefer the phone call whenever possible. And again, we've talked about this. I'd much rather talk on a phone and talk with somebody and make that connection. Um, especially when you're trying to make an appointment, uh, it's better to just be on the phone with them and you look at your schedules and nail down the time. Yeah. It has to be done that way. I, I get it. But um, yeah, I want to have that conversation. I want to start the bond with my client and you know make that appointment and set a time for them to come in the studio. Brian, how about you? Yeah, I totally agree with Robert. Like for for me, um, the reason that I mean, there's a couple of reasons why I think the phone's better than email. Number one, every other photographer in your area is probably emailing, so you will be able to stand out by simply picking up the phone and using this old traditional thing that's attached by a line to the wall. And it's crazy what these things do these days. Yeah. Um, you know, so you you're going to stand out because you can actually communicate to them like a person. Um, you know, it's like the same thing. If you were call, if you wanted to meet a friend for coffee. I guess maybe perhaps now you text, but you know, typically you'd like call them and say, "Hey, like, let's go for coffee." It's not gonna be like, "Dear friend, I would love to meet you for coffee." How does yeah. this? Day? It's like no, it's like treat treat your clients like people, and I think that that's a good way to have a relationship with them is to to get them on the phone. Um, so that's one reason that I think it's better, but also it saves time in the back and forth, like Robert sort of alluded to, the whole like, "Oh, does next Thursday work?" No, that doesn't work for me. How about Friday? Oh, no, I'm booked on Friday. How about it's like pick up the phone. You can have what would take you 20 minutes in an email in two minutes on the phone. Um, so I think that's better. And I also just think that um, this whole process for meet and greet from the inquiry to them actually booking you, it's a constant um, A sort of um, movement up the scale in terms of them trusting you, but also uh, a movement in getting a little bit more commitment to them or from them at every step of the process. And so I feel like the inquiry is the first step, emailing is the next step, and then it goes up to phone. That requires a little bit more investment on their part. It requires a bit more trust on your part. 
and then get them in person and then work your way up there to have a bit of a deeper relationship. So if you do it as a gradual sort of, you know, uh, scale going up, then you're, then you're slowly building that trust and building that rapport with them as opposed to just doing it all at once. So yeah, I do think that having a phone thing, a phone meeting, uh, or at least a phone chat before the meet and greet is a good idea. You can set some expectations, get some guidelines out there, and then, you know, you've already had a bit of a relationship established with them. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. I try to phone, you know, as much as, as much as possible. We, you know, we collect that information on our website as well. We make sure we get their phone number. Um, you know, we've had a few that preferred for whatever reason, they just, I don't know if they don't want to talk to a human or it's just, you know, they just, they want to text or what have you. But, um, yeah, we try to always phone them. Um, like Robert said, it's just more efficient trying to book it. Yeah. Now in terms of the actual booking of the, of the time, do you try to work with their times and their schedules as or do you sort of provide them with some options around what your working schedule is or your studio hours are? What are your thoughts on that? Um, so I, again, have some pretty strong thoughts on this. But he, here's the thing that I really want to encourage those listening to consider for this specific point. Whichever option you choose for this, it sets the precedent for the rest of the entire relationship for the next year and a half and potentially ongoing if they're going to be a client for families and everything after their wedding. It sets the precedent. If you say, when's good for you? Come on in whenever. I'll make myself available whenever you want to come in. That sets the precedent that they control things and that you're always going to be available for them. Whereas if you say, I've got this night and this night available, or I've got this morning and this afternoon available, which of those two works for you, then that sets the precedent that, oh, okay, this is a legitimate business. Um, they, they, run, they run with a set of policies. They have a set of guidelines, and they're sort of calling the shots in this. And I think that the latter is the better of the two, and that's what I do personally. Robert, how about you? Yeah, and no, I agree with Brian. Like, you have, to, you have to kind of set the tone of, you know, who's the boss because – if you don't, then they will take advantage of that mm -hmm. you know, as time goes on. Um, and I know this is one of the questions, but I mean, even, you know, for those of you that don't have studios, which is a lot of you work out of your homes or, uh, you know, doing the Starbucks meeting or whatever. Like I, I saw that as one of the questions and I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead, but That's uh, what, and, and I've done that before too, where, um, you know, I've had a studio, not had a studio, but I didn't choose to meet clients in a Starbucks when I didn't have a studio, I'd go to the nicest hotel in Beverly Hills or whatever and say, yeah, meet me at the Four Seasons. Mm -hmm. um, so again, you're sort of setting a standard. Um, sometimes when you go to people's houses, um, it could work against you and that you're on their turf. Um, that's why I would always suggest, hey, let's meet at the Four Seasons or let's meet. So think about that, like where you live, like what's a very nice place, nice hotel. You can walk into any hotel lobby and sit down um, and meet with someone, they're probably not going to say a word to you as long as you're not breaking out easels and things like that. You got a couple yeah. books, and <laughs> so you shouldn't go in and start hanging prints on the walls and like, exactly. setting up a projector. So, yeah, that's kind of my thought on that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with, agree with both of you guys in terms of setting that setting those expectations. Like Brian said, if you said you know when you you know when what's good for you guys and if you're available at any time, number one, it, I think it also sends a little bit of a, a you know a bit of a desperation signal that yeah. you're you know yes I'll do whatever you want. Uh, so I think by by giving them you know certain times, it also shows that maybe there's a, a your time is a bit limited uh, that there's a demand whether you know whether you're busy or not busy. If you can you know there's that perception of busyness out there, you know, that they, you know, they, or, or a scarcity um, of a resource, you know, that might also help kind of fuel the, 
the fire a little bit, right? If they say, mm-hmm. oh, geez, these guys have only have, you know, a couple spots open, they must be really busy. Um, it can kind of help feed that a little bit, right? I exactly. think so. Yep. Like creating the demand. Yeah, creating the demand. Apple does it all the time. <laughs> oh, there's a limited number of watches available. Yes, sure there is. So, so you've got, you know, you've got them on the phone now or, or email or however you've sort of connected with them and you're going to set up the consult. So Robert kind of uh, segued into this really well in terms of, of meeting. So do all of you guys have um, studio space now where you meet um, clients? I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, we do as well. Um, so we find it's we've been in that space for a couple of years, and I think it, our booking rates have definitely gone up by having a studio space. I think it it lends itself. It's it's a much more professional feel. We used to meet with clients in our home, so clients would come here, and we had an area of our house set up for that. Um, but it's still it's your house, and I don't think it's as professional as you know having a separate business space. And people are looking, you know, I think one of the things when people are meeting with photographers or any wedding vendor is I think they're trying to establish trust. I think mm-hmm. that's the, you know, if, they, if they've looked at your work and they like your work and they're comfortable enough with your pricing, I think what they're trying to do, you know, determine is do I like their personalities and do I trust them? Mm-hmm. And I think having a, a space, a professional space can be a benefit in that regard if, you know, in, in establishing that trust factor. So all three of us have, are fortunate enough that we have a, a studio space, but I know not everybody is um, fortunate. So Robert, you, you mentioned a great alternative as a hotel. And of course that got me thinking, you know, if it's hotels or venues that you're working at or shooting a lot, you know, maybe you could talk to them about getting a space. They might have like a conference room or an office or something in the hotel that you could use for your consults. Have you ever approached some of the venues? I mean, I think that's a great suggestion because the other thing that allows is you're meeting with the client at their venue, um, you know, saying, yeah, you know, maybe if you haven't worked there before, I mean, to me, if I've never worked at a venue, it's more exciting for me, but I'll say, look, I've never worked there before. Why don't we meet at the venue and then we can talk about, you know, we can look at locations and talk about that. And, you know, that's just one of those things where you might just be going above and beyond what anybody else has suggested. Um, you know, think about it, especially if someone's going to meet them at a Starbucks or, uh, you know, something like that. Even if they have the most beautiful studio in the world, that might be important to that client. Maybe you just suggest it. Say, well, uh, you know, we can meet here in my studio or we can meet out at the venue. Yeah. Brian, what do you think of that idea? I love the idea. I would definitely suggest that over meeting at a Starbucks. Um, the other option would be something like inviting them out to have some food together and go to like a nice restaurant and, you know, you treat them and that's like another sort of added value thing. Get them drunk. I, I, what's that, sorry? Get them drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah spike their drink. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you know, the Brian five years ago probably would have some different thoughts on this, but here, here's my opinion on this. And I'm only saying this because I've actually talked directly with my clients about this. Um, where I meet them doesn't have as much of an effect on whether they're going to book or not as we might think. And again, that's just for me talking with my clients. Um, I believe fundamentally that's why I have a studio space because I want to have a space, a nice professional space to meet with my clients. But ultimately, it's all in how you frame it. If, if you framed it, like let's just say that you're a photographer listening to this right now and you don't have a space and you're saying this all sounds great guys, but I'm not gonna, that's not in my, in the cards for the next little while for me. Um, you know, I, I might say something like if I was that photographer, I would say, 
um, we have a home studio that we'd love to invite you over to sit and and uh, you know sit in our living room, and we'd love to sort of open our home up to you to talk a little bit more about your wedding. I, I think if you're a wedding photographer, I mean the expectation is that you're a wedding photographer, and so you work on location. I mean there's nothing. Uh, there's nothing uh, weird about that or out of the ordinary about that situation because we are on location photographers. So I think that being said, I think that clients understand if we don't have, you know, a professional retail space or an office space or, or a big, you know, updo studio. If you just say, I, I have a home-based office because I always work on location, would love to invite you to my home. And as long as it was professional and it looked nice and you had some samples on the wall and it didn't smell like your dinner, uh, I think that you'd have no problem with making that work in your business. And I know many photographers locally and, you know, not in the area here that do that exact same setup and still make it work really, really well. Um, pending that doesn't work, you know, Robert's suggestion of meeting at a, at a hotel or at a lobby or at the venue is a great alternative as well. Agreed. Good suggestions. Yeah. Like I said, we used to meet people at our home as well in our first couple of years. And it, it, it was fine. Like, again, we, you know, our booking rates were good and, and it was fine, but you did have to, you know, it was that extra, we had to stop and clean mm -hmm. things up and, you know, just people are coming over and it's still, you're having somebody into, into your home. So, and we have a dog who's very yappy. And so we were tending to either put him away or go drop him off with my parents and then drive back. And it was just too much of a pain. So for us, the studio worked out really, really well. So. All right, so you know we've got them in. We've got them in the door. We're going to meet with with them. Um, take us through. What does a typical consult look like when they come into Brian Capricci Photography, for example? What's how do you how do you start out? Do you want Robert to talk about that or me? Um, <laughs> I guess it'd be weird if Robert talked about what it was like at Brian Capricci Photography. Oh, sorry, go to Brian's. <laughs> go to Brian's. This is what he'll tell you. <laughs> I have clearly not had enough coffee yet. This uh, it was it was a joke. I'm, I'm just kidding. By the way, um, on a quick side note, you guys, I just decided to do this. I'm periscoping our thing right now. Oh, oh we're live on Periscope. A little teaser, you know. I, I have all of four people watching, but you know. Cool. I just, Hi, four people. I try it. <laughs> Hello, four. <laughs> Someone people. said I got a great stuff. You know, we, we'll take a live question as long as you give us on the topic. You know, we are talking about booking weddings. So if you are a wedding photographer and you actually have a live question, we might even answer it. But Brian, okay, cool, back cool. to your question. Okay, back to my question. So at Brian Capricci Photography, here's the thing, and this is is sort of a fundamental belief for meet and greets that I that I like to sort of talk about with photographers. Um, at a meet and greet, the whole point is to establish rapport, build trust, and show credibility. Um, there's no other point than that. And here's here's also sort of even going deeper than that. The meet and greet, as much as you might think it's about you, it's not about you. The meet and greet is not about you as the photographer. The meet and greet is about, like I said, building trust, building credibility, building rapport. But it's about finding out and explaining and having a conversation about what you can do as a photographer for them. And I know that that's like, you might just say, well, that's Brian, you're just playing with words on that. But it's not, because I've heard from many, many clients that have met with photographers that will just sit them down and just blabber on about themselves and go on for two hours about what they do, um, that end up walking away saying, that's nice. Like he just basically, that was like, that was like a sales pitch the whole time. And that's not what a meet and greet is about. It's about getting to know them, get, letting them get to know you, but in context of what you can do for them and how you can help them. So, I mean, I could go on, I mean, certainly we can go on and, and uh, I can walk through what I do, but I want to hear what your guys' thoughts on that. That's, that's like a fundamental structural um, thing that I really believe in for structuring a meet and greet. I agree. Yeah, I, I agree in that, um, 
just like I think with your pictures, you want to kind of keep it simple. Yeah. Um, I like to get them talking about themselves. I, I, I ask them about, you know, their, what do they want from their pictures? How did they meet their first date? How did he propose? I mean, these, these are things that I ask and I want to hear those stories because quite honestly, especially the proposal story, um, you ask that story and you get a good answer. Like you'll, you, you know, from the guys have gone to all this effort to do it. Like, Every time I get a great story like that, I know it's going to be a great wedding just because of the effort and I think the emotion involved in someone taking the time to do all that. Um, but I ask a lot of those questions. Um, and I think most importantly, um, you know, you're sitting there in that meeting, you know, sometimes we know um, whether they're going to book or not. Some, I would say the majority of the time we don't because they'll come see you, they'll think about it, whatever. But when you do get that person that, that basically gives you that indication, that clear indication that they're ready to book and give you a deposit, shut your mouth <laughs> and stop selling them <laughs> and just get right. You know, okay, great. You know, let me get a contract and, you know, just, but I think sometimes people just blab on like you were saying, Brian, and, you know, but if you get that indication, they're ready to book, then just be quiet and mm -hmm. move forward. Yeah. I think the key is, you know, it's, listening is a big key. You want to listen, you want to look for, you know, cues from your, from the couple that you're meeting with. But I agree with Brian. It's really, you know, our focus when they come in is to get them talking about their wedding day. We don't get them talking about like, we obviously we ask them, you know, where's, you know, where photography ranks in terms of importance for them to get a, you know, get a feeling of, of how important photography is to them. But we get them talking about their day and that's, we get the, you know, we start working through their timeline and we try to find ways to include ourselves into that timeline. So that by the time we're done the conversation, they can't separate the wedding day and us. Like they, 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 they can only see their timeline with us in it. Mm -hmm. And then it, it becomes very hard for them to then say, well, we can't not have Bruce and Sarah at our wedding because they've already, you know, they're already part of all these things. So we get them really talking about their timeline. So we, we, you know, we start the conversation out by, you know, let's, let's talk about your day. What's your day look like? Um, who's in your wedding party? Oh, tell us about who's in the wedding party. And we get them talking about their friends and their family. And, you know, we get, we, and then we were building that rapport. And then, you know, when we start talking about timelines, we start solving some problems for them that they didn't know that they, that they had sometimes. Right. So they'll start talking about the family photos and we start maybe giving them some suggestions. Um, so we try to provide them with a lot of information and lend our experience from wedding days. We'll share some stories of things that have happened through weddings. And it just, again, it, it helps establish that rapport and, but more importantly, that trust and that expertise that, okay, these guys know what they're doing. They've been to some weddings before, you know, we can trust them. And suddenly they, they see their wedding timeline and they see, you know, that we've helped them, you know, maybe solve some problems they didn't know they had before they came in. And now, you know, it's, it becomes a bit of a no brainer for them. And now it's just a matter of deciding, well, which, you know, which package is going to work best based on our timelines and things like that. So that's our approach is really getting them talking about their day and their wedding day, getting them excited about it. Um, and then if they want, you know, obviously we have products there. Um, I think Brian, you, you focus a lot around albums. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the presentations are on albums. A lot of them have seen our work online already. So we like to show them, you know, our, our, our albums and that's going to show our work. That's going to show how we photograph a typical day, but it's also going to show them the albums that we include in the package. So that's kind of part of our, you know, we, we work it into the, you know, to the conversation. Um, sometimes they come in and they ask that right away. They want to just see stuff. Um, but as much as possible, we try to get them talking about their day and, and about that. How, for you guys, how long is a typical consultation? How long is a typical meet and greet for you guys? 
I generally run about an hour. Mm-hmm. Same thing for me. Yeah, us as well. Yeah, we try to keep it in, in around that hour time frame. So what kind of information do you provide? Do you have a, a welcome packet or what do you give clients when they come in for that for that meet and greet? Um, you know, they will get a printed price list from me. Um, but as far as information, most of it's verbal. I talk a lot about, <coughs> excuse me, um, their timing on the wedding day. You know, I dive right into talking about, you know, whether they want to see each other. Have they thought about that? Um, just sort of educating them on how the day works, how my time flow works, um, how I like to do things. And, um, you know, like the more information you can get out of them ahead of time as far as, you know, their thoughts and anticipation of the day, the better. But I would say like a big topic, you know, is discussing whether we're going to do photos before or not. Um, but if they're a little apprehensive about that, then I will spend a little time talking to them about why I think it's best. I tell them, you know, hey, it's not my way or the highway, but, you know, based on my experience and, you know, my couple's experiences by doing this, you know, most of the time people that don't want to see each other that do, um, you know, I've gotten thank you cards and thank you so much. That was amazing. I'm so glad we did that. Um, and I just try to give them all the other reasons why it's beneficial to get those photos done prior to if that's how you want to do it, um, which is how I like to do it. So I think that's a good time spent on that. Of course, we talk <clears throat> a little bit about, uh, you know, albums and products and those things. But um, I think they see your books. And sometimes I think, like, if you get too much involved in selling the albums and products, yes, it might be part of your package. And you can show them if they're getting package B, this is what's included in it. But, you know, I think getting them to hire you in the first place, I never necessarily make them decide which package they want when we sit down. Um, I just say, you know, it's important that you reserve the date and then you can decide, uh, you know, within a couple weeks of which package you want to go with. But, you know, I'm after the deposit. Yep. Brian, how about you? What's um, What sort of things do you give out or do you do you have a package that you present them? I do. Um, so I have, like, I... I um... I've actually spent a lot of time figuring out what I want to do for that. And so personally what I do is I, I first of all, I, I have, it's a beautifully professionally designed uh, booklet that I've, that I've designed and I have it as a PDF so I can change things if I need to. But I print it on the highest quality paper that I can possibly find. And this, this paper that I buy is, people are watching, I can see Robert like lipping over there. I just, I just stopped it. Okay. <laughs> I was like, that's good enough. I just said that. <laughs> um, uh, sorry, Robert's like live periscoping over here. We're doing like, this is like simulcasting. This is amazing. It's like this yeah. little wedding show. We've got like things happening. I love it. Next time um, we have to do tri-periscope. Okay. Ooh, okay. Um, what was I saying? Meet and greet package. Yes. So so I buy this like ridiculously expensive paper. It's like beautifully thick and it feels like, like you know, like a cotton. It's, like, it's beautiful on your fingers. Silk rather than a cotton. Um, anyways, I print it out. It's beautiful. It's about 15 pages. Um, I have it bound. So I have like a little binder. Um, that I will do like a, a coil bind in. And then I have these really beautiful like um, folders that I put them in. They're like craft paper, everything. I have a little booklet that I printed out that I put in it. So it's like this really beautiful package that I give them. But I really just give it to them at the very end as a takeaway, almost as like a summary of what we, we should have talked about in the meet and greet itself. So I don't really like pull it out and go over it with them, unless we're talking about packages, in which case I will. Um, but for the most part, it's just a takeaway so they have something to remember me by. And, and really, for me, the the whole, and I know we've talked a little bit about the purpose of the meet and greet, but, um, and, and perhaps it's different for you guys, maybe not. Um, I actually spend 
usually half of the meet and greet, the first half, talking about things perhaps other than photography. I actually don't even talk about photography until, uh, you know, I, I've, I've booked so many clients that it's like, I'll get to like the 45 minute mark or the 50 minute mark and I keep mine around an hour and they'll be like, so we should talk about photography, huh? And I'll like, <laughs> you know, bring it up and start talking about it at that point. But I do that very intentionally because if they're in the studio meeting with me, they've already seen my photography. Like they've already seen my website. They've already read about my style. They've maybe heard something from somebody else and they already know that they like my photography. Sure, I want to put some products in front of them to get them falling in love with an album or a print or whatever, but I'm not trying to convince them that I'm the right photographer for them or that I make the right photographs for them. Instead, I'm trying to convince them or show them that I'm the right person for them and that mm -hmm. they're the right person for me. And so it's more about just having a conversation and having a, a discussion about things, perhaps sometimes not about even photography, just getting to know them or what did you, I saw you drove up in a Volkswagen, like I have a Volkswagen as well. Like let me, it just finding some kind of common ground and just building a relationship with them that goes deeper than just asking the same questions that the photographer down the road will ask them at their consult. Because I mean, you have to think about this for a second. If you if you are doing these things that, that almost everyone else does in a consult, right? Like let's say that you go to a florist, right? The florist is gonna say, oh, congratulations. Tell me about how you got engaged, right? And they're gonna go and see the cake decorator. Oh, congratulations, let's talk about cakes. Tell me how you got engaged, right? They're gonna go to the, the venue. They're gonna ask the same question. Like we don't wanna fall into the pattern of what everyone else is asking them, what everyone else is doing. And so sure, if that comes up in conversation, I'll take it, but I'll sometimes take it in a different direction with them. It's not, it's not something that I heard um, once from actually Melissa Gionis when I interviewed her on my podcast. She said, don't ask how they got engaged or when they got engaged, because everybody asks them that. Ask them, at what point did you know that they were the one for you? Like that's the kind of question that no one else is going to ask them. Mm. But and again, that's not something that I personally do, but that was what Melissa had suggested. And I just love how she's encouraging photographers to think different than what everyone else in the wedding industry is doing. And that's what I fundamentally believe in. So um, yeah, I mean, in terms of the package, back to your original question, Bruce, I do give them a package, but really I don't necessarily go into too much detail. I don't want to give them information overload. This meet and greet for me is, is, really just about building rapport, getting to know them, making sure that they know that I'm not a jerk or perhaps letting them know that I am a jerk if they don't want to book me as their photographer, whichever option they want to go with. But that's really what it's about. I mean, they like my photography, they're in the door, make sure they like me as a person. Yep. I think that's the key. Yeah. We give out a package as well. Um, that was one of my goals this spring was to update our, like our price list. And now it's an actual booklet like, like Brian does. Um, we get them printed on this really nice pearl paper. Um, I think they ended up costing us about 12 bucks a pop for each one of these booklets. Um, but it's fine. And then we also, we advertise in a local, um, wedding magazine. And so we get copies of that magazine. So we include that in our consult kit. And usually we get, you know, we get a box of these. So we usually have like a couple of issues. So we give them a couple of issues of the magazine plus our, plus our information packet. So again, they have a nice little takeaway and hopefully that's something that's different from other photographers that they're seeing and they'll remember us. And, you know, again, it just, it's building that rapport and it's somebody that, you know, are they an expert in their field? And that's what we're, we're trying to establish. So, um, Robert, you mentioned kind of, you know, the goal is you want to get that deposit or that re the retainer. Um, do you guys prefer it? You know, do you want to get them booked right on the spot or do you prefer if they, if they're okay, you know, say we want some time to think about it. Do you offer any type of like incentive for them to book there on the spot or what are your thoughts around, around that? 
I'm not high pressure, you know, I want them to hire me because they like me and they like my work. Um, I am a firm believer of, of you do have to ask for the sale. Um, and so I might say something to the effect like, you know, like when it's obviously appropriate and all said and done, like, you know, were you guys ready to book today or did you need a little more time? You know, what were your thoughts? Um, and I let them answer like, yeah, well, we have a couple more photographers to look at or, you know, but a lot of times because I ask that question, they're like, yeah, let's go ahead. You know, like you could see it wasn't something they were going to do. And then because I just asked, then they did. But I'm not like a high pressure person like that. Um, and, you know, so I think that's important. Um you know, also to remember when you're doing your consultations, if people sense they're being sold, you know, their walls and guards are going to go up. I mean, put yourself in their position. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, like buying a car. Um, I mean, today when you buy a car, you know, it's all included and it's all right there. But there was a time and people would always refer to that. Like when you'd buy a car, it was such like a high pressure, you know, not everything was included. You feel like you were getting taken to the cleaners, you know, all of that. I think people want to know, you know, what it's going to cost and discuss all that, lay it all out there and, you know, say that. Of course, they may add on stuff, but, um, you know, I think people just, I think Brian brought that up. They just want to be be comfortable in that sale and, and know, or you, you did, Bruce, I'm sorry, but, you know, know what they're purchasing. Yep, for sure. Brian, how about you? Um, so... <laughs> Uh, no, I don't actually ask. I mean, will, will I give them a chance if they're ready to book? Sure. But nine times out of ten, I'll actually encourage them not to book on the spot. Um, and I do that for a couple of reasons. One, I want to make sure that they're making the right decision for them. I want them to go home and really think about it and let it mull over in their head. And and, and genuinely, like I, I'm not a high-pressure salesperson, so I don't want them – I don't want to put them in a place where they feel like they have to decide, but they're not actually ready and they end up having buyer's remorse. Um, also, it gives me a bit of an opportunity where if I'm feeling like they're not the right fit for me, then I at least have an out. Whereas if they go away and then they want to call me and book back, I can say, oh, you know what, I've actually booked up to date in the meantime. I'm so sorry. So it gives me a bit of an out if I'm not feeling like it's the right fit for me, which I have done many times. Um, but also there's this there's this sort of um, idea. It's almost like, do you guys, do you guys, I'm sure you guys have had this in, in your life, and I'm sure anyone that's listening has had this, where you have that one friend that just like obsessively texts you or calls you and it's like, hey, wanna hang out? Are you around? Can we get together? Wanna go out now? Wanna go out now? Wanna go out now? And it's it's almost like that little like squirrel thing, right? And you're almost like Hey like, Spike, like, hey Spike. Like like buzz buzz off. Like I'll I'll be ready when it's almost like but then at the same time, those that are hard to get a hold of or hard to, to get on the phone or hard to get out when you are with them, it's almost like a treat and it's almost like you lean into them a little bit more. So it's this this philosophy where as soon as you lean back as a salesperson, um, people will lean in. So if you lean back by saying, okay, so you know that was great. I want you guys to go home. I don't want you to necessarily book right here. I want you to think about it and maybe, maybe I'm not even the right fit for you. And if you start to lean back a little bit, the, if they feel like you're the right fit, they'll lean in and they'll be like, well, wait, 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 does he, does he not want to book me? Do I, do I, maybe I should. And then all of a sudden they'll start trying to book you. Like the, they'll be like, oh, but like, 
can I book you right now? And, and they'll almost like want to book you. So it's this weird look. It's not that it's a mind game, but it's just like this philosophy of how we work socially that as soon as somebody leans back, we automatically lean in. So if you're being aggressive by leaning into them and saying, do you want a book? Are you ready? What are the challenges that you're having? How can I help you overcome them? Like the typical sales thing, people will resist that and they'll lean away from you. Whereas if you lean back, they'll lean into you. So that's sort of the, the place that I'm at with how I run things. Hmm. So, so you play a little hard to get. Yeah, I guess I guess hard to get is like a is like a good way to or like the closest thing to it. I don't do it in a way that's manipulative. Yeah. But certainly, yeah, I mean that's the underlying, I guess, idea behind it. Yeah, I think we take a, a similar approach as well. I mean, obviously we want people to, you know, to consider their decision and, and go through the information that we presented. And sometimes they need to have sometimes they want to have a conversation you know, when you're not around, there's things they just want to discuss. And sometimes it, it's it's not that they're not going to book you. It's just that they want to, it, maybe there's some financial things that they don't want to talk about in front of you. So, you know, those are things that they want to talk about privately. So yeah, we don't put any pressure on them either. We don't offer, like we don't offer any kind of like on the spot booking incentive or anything like that. Um, the one question we will ask sometimes though, if there's, you know, if, if it looks like they're leaning towards us, we just, I'll ask them, is there anything, you know, it looks like you're looking at this package. Is there anything missing from the the package that you know it, it, that we didn't anticipate because we have had it happen sometimes where people go away and then they've you know we followed up with them and they've booked with somebody else and it was over a little thing and then they're like oh we didn't realize that you could do that or we didn't realize that it was in there so we want to make sure that we, we give them that opportunity to tell us if there is something in the package that you know, that they were wanting, but they just never thought to ask about it. We want to make sure we give them that opportunity. And we've, you know, sometimes we've found that, oh yeah, they're, they want, you know, a guest book or something like that. And then we can say, oh yeah, we, we do that. And they're, oh great, okay, that's all they needed to know. But sometimes if you don't ask that question, they might go away and not think to ask you. They might just assume you don't do it because it wasn't presented in your information. So that's one little thing that we'll ask is, you know, just, is there anything from the package or does this look like it would fit your needs? Just a simple question to kind of close it off. And then again, if they want to book with us there, great. Um, it happens sometimes, but most times people will take a day or two, yep. you know, and we let them know, we'll say, you know, look, we can't, you know, we can't hold or reserve your wedding date without a retainer. Um, but what we will do is if somebody expresses an interest in the next 24 hours in booking us, we'll, we'll give you a, a courtesy call just to see if you're, if you're thinking about it, but otherwise we can't, you know, we can't hold the date. And most people are, are pretty good with that. Mm -hmm. So one last thing I want to, we're going to wrap up here pretty quick, but I want to ask one last question about um, when you can't meet people face to face, how do you handle consultations if they're say not in the same city? Cause we've had, you know, that happened quite a few times. So what's, how do you guys approach that? And does it change your approach at all when you're meeting with them, say virtually? I, I do it over the phone if I can't meet them in person and it's yeah. the exact same process. Like I basically explain to them that it's going to be probably a 30 to 40 minute conversation. We'll go over packages, we'll go over things and I'll just do the exact same thing. I'll just get to know them, talk about them, ask them questions. I've done Skype as well in the past, um, which has worked you know, pretty well as well. So um, same thing. I just always want to get some kind of personal correspondence with them. Yeah. Robert, how about you? Yeah. Same phone or Skype. I tend to do a, a moderate amount of Skype stuff because I have clients everywhere. Um, so it works well. Um, it is frustrating, I think, more than being obviously in face-to-face -face with the person. But, you know, a lot of times I, I also figure if they're taking the time to Skype with you, they're very interested in mm -hmm. hiring you. And mm -hmm. I would say more times than not, the people that I Skyped with, I've gotten the jobs. Mm -hmm. So I think, again, it's just um, 
they want to see you. They want to know they like you. Um, and another tip, like I have this on my website, although I need to do one, and I think we've discussed this before, but if you could put some sort of, even if it's a minute video of yourself, you know, professionally done or well done, of course, uh, so to give the clients uh, an opportunity to just get some insight into you and your personality um, really, really helps. I've had one on my site for years, and people will call me and, like, say, we just loved you, we loved your pictures, we want to hire you. I mean, that simple, just by having a video on the site. So... Again, just something to think about. We can talk about that later, but yeah. Awesome. Can I, I? I have just one more. I have one more thing I want to. I want to sort of like implant it into into those listening into their heads. Is just something that I really think can can change and improve how you do a meet and greet. And at some point, it's this. At some point in the conversation that you're having with them, whether it's on the phone, whether it's in person, whatever it is, ask them the question. What about my photography attracted you to call me? Or something along those kinds of lines. Give them the opportunity to say, here's what I like or here's what I'm looking for. Or even if it's not about my photography, say something like, um, you know, with flowers, it's really easy to say that I love roses or I don't love roses. Or it's easy to say that I want white or I want yellow because it's, it's, it is what it is. But with photography, it's often much harder to put a word to what it is that you like about photography. So tell me what you're looking for out of your photography and then shut up. Let them answer that question because they will literally tell you exactly what you should be telling them about your photography after they say that. If they say something like, oh, I really want the emotional, the moments, the blah, blah, blah. Don't go on a pitch for 10 minutes about how you do everything posed. You know, it's like they're going to tell you what they want to hear from you. Give them a chance to tell to tell you that, and then it'll give you some context for the rest of the conversation. Excellent advice. Excellent advice. And maybe just to kind of close it off and wrap it up, after you've met with a couple, do you how how do you follow up? Do you send them something? Do you send them a thank you note for meeting with you? What's your kind of and what's how long do you wait before you kind of you haven't heard from them? Do you touch base with them? Robert, you want to take this? Uh, I will usually wait um, maybe a week or so. You know, sometimes they give you a gauge of how long, you know, if I ask the question, you know, oh, we have a couple more photographers, then I will follow that up, you know, in the appointment. Like, so, you know, is it okay if I follow up you, with you and, you know, what would you like? And, you know, they'll sometimes like, oh, a week or, you know, a couple weeks or whatever they tell me. And I'll just make a note of that and then follow up uh, usually uh, with an email and sometimes a phone call. You know, it just depends on, you know, I might even the next day, like, hey, you know, send the email because most of the time we have their email address. It was great meeting with you. Did you have any other further questions after our meeting? You know, how can I help? That type of thing. And then follow it up with a phone call a week or so later, whatever is the time frame that they've given me. Yeah. Brian, how about you? Yeah. So I do something very similar. Um, and I have a very specific system that I follow for this. And I do it very intentionally always within an hour of the meet and greet, I will follow up with some kind of little quick touch point where it's like, hey guys, it was so great to meet with you. I really love blah, blah, blah. I'll put something personal in there where it's like, I love that you're having it at this and blah, blah, blah. Like have something where I'm actually referencing what we talked about to show them that I was actually listening and also put any kind of follow-up information in there where I'll say something like, oh, you know, I had mentioned that I had photographed at your venue. Here's a link to that in case you wanted to check it out. Like I'll have something relevant in there for them. So I do that within the hour of the meet and greet. And then I kind of let things go quiet. I know that they're probably meeting with other photographers or they're having their decisions or they're talking with their parents, whatever it is. I wait seven days. 
in seven days after the meet and greet, I will follow up with them and say, hey, just wanted to see. It's been a week since we last met and talked. Just wanted to see if you guys had made any progress on your decisions yet. I will then again go quiet. And if I haven't heard anything from them for seven days, I'll do one more follow-up. So now it's two weeks after the initial meet and greet. I'll do one more follow-up and I'll, and I'll say in that email, if I don't hear back from you guys, it's totally cool. I totally understand you've probably just gone another direction and I wish you guys all the best with your wedding. And then after that point, I'll go quiet if I don't hear back and if I do hear back, then I'll book. In that follow-up process, I have booked guys more weddings by actually being intentional about following up um, than any almost anything else where they're like, oh yeah, right, totally. We meant to get in touch with you. Yeah, let's go ahead and book. And it's because I followed up about things. Um, so I really think that, that follow-up process is important if you want to be perceived as a professional. Yep, agreed. Yeah, we'll do the same thing. And then also, you know, we'll follow up if somebody else is inquiring about that date. We'll, you know, send them a little courtesy email and just say, just giving you guys a heads up. We've got another couple who want to meet with us this week. They're also looking at the same date as you. Just wanted to touch base, see where you're at before we meet with them. Because if you were thinking of going, you know, and booking with us, then we don't, you know, we don't want to waste another couple's time. And like we say it nicely, but yeah. that's kind of the intent, right? But I'm the same as you. We'll follow up usually with some links to a featured gallery that hopefully features their venue. And then, you know, just follow up a week after if we haven't heard from them. But I usually find within about a week or two, we're either going to hear from them or not hear from yeah. them. Exactly. So they usually worked out pretty good. So excellent. Well, I think that's probably cool. a good place to kind of close off today's discussion, but I think hopefully we shared some good advice uh, with you. So, you know, as always, we want to hear from you guys. We want to know is, is this information useful? Is it valuable? What kind of topics um, would you like us to talk about? So again, you can email us. Our uh, email address is twipwed at thisweekinphoto.com. Um, or you can also head on over to the website and leave your questions, comments there on the blog posts. So before we wrap up, where what's what's everybody up to? What have you guys got coming up, and uh, where can we find you guys online, Mr. Evans? Uh, nothing super exciting coming up. I'm off to New York uh, next week, Memorial Day, so it'll be past, of course, when you hear this. But I had a great time. My wedding was amazing while I was there. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> follow that up. But you want to find me online? Uh, everything's pretty much under my name. You can always Google my name, but. Uh, Twip and Instagram are at Robert Evans. My website's robertevans.com. Facebook, Robert Evans Studios, and so much more. Excellent. We'll have links as always. Mr. Capricci, what are you up to these days? What have you got on the... Oh, what have I got in the go? So we're still uh, doing lots of fun things over here. Uh, you guys know I've talked about this before on the show before, but uh, I am the CEO and founder of Sprout Studio, uh, which is an all-in-one business success software for photographers that combines online proofing and album proofing and studio management and invoicing and questionnaires and just everything that you need to run a successful wedding or portrait photography business. So we're just out in beta right now. Um, if anyone wants to find out more about Sprout Studio or if you actually want to spend less time behind your computers and more time behind your cameras, which is what, why you got into this industry probably, um, Sprout Studio can help you do that. Uh, GetSproutStudio.com is where you can find that. And if you enjoy podcasts, uh, hint, you do, because you're listening to a podcast right this now. This is a podcast, yes. In case you're wondering, this <laughs> In is In case you're wondering, uh, <laughs> if you enjoy podcasts and if you listen to podcasts, uh, which is probably the case for everyone listening to my voice at this very moment, I also have a podcast called The Sprouting Photographer Podcast, where we go deep into business topics for photographers. And you can find that at sproutingphotographer.com. And I'm also on all the social webs at bcapphoto, B-C-A-P, photo. Excellent. Good stuff. 
And me, well, I'm just getting into wedding season. It's mid-May when we're recording this, and so wedding season and engagement season season is sort of kicking into high gear. So kicking things off, I'm second shooting a 17-hour Indian wedding this weekend. So so I may not be alive after this weekend, so this may be the last time you hear or see from me. I don't know. We'll see. But um, nothing like breaking in the wedding season with a 17-hour day, but that's all right. It'll prepare me for the rest of the wedding season. I'll seem like a cakewalk after that, so... But uh, yeah, if you're looking for me, you'll find me over at momentsindigital.com. That's our website. And on all the social networks, I'm just at Bruce Clark, and that's Clark with an E. And we'll always have links to all those things in the show notes. So once again, thanks again for listening to Twip Weddings, raising the bar one wedding at a time. Mm -hmm.